broadcast if you're watching here on YouTube. Click that subscribe button down below. Thank you so much for joining us. And click that bell for continued notifications. Guys, this podcast, it publishes 6 a.m. every Thursday morning, right in time for your work commute. And then on YouTube, it drops at 2 p.m., on the same day. That's Thursdays, every Thursday, 2 p.m. in the afternoon on YouTube, 6 a.m. Wherever you get your podcasts, it'll be there. Guys, I want to take this opportunity and talk about a new book that is set to release soon called The Reformation as Renewal, Retrieving the One Holy Catholic and the Apostolic Church by Dr. Matthew Barrett who's here at uh, Midwestern Theological Seminary, Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary up in the Northland in Kansas City. Just hop, skip, and jump away from where I live. Um, I cannot do a full-fledged review of this book because I haven't read it. And uh, I I try not to do any sort of review of books that I haven't read. But I can say some some things about it um, just by way of based on what I've read of it so far, just by way of trying to emphasize the importance of the book from a historical standpoint, but also from a standpoint of clarification, um, you know, there is a lot of uh, kind of misguidance and misunderstanding today when it comes to the purpose of the Reformation. Was the Reformation an effort or a concerted effort to begin a new church, or at least to reestablish a church that had been lost for ages? Uh, or was the Reformation kind of a, a, a desire to get away from the accountability of all of the doctrine that went before, and it's kind of this humanist, nominalist desire to get away from the shackles of doctrinal and orthodox accountability, which would be more of the liberal thesis. Um, there's a lot of misunderstanding about it. Uh, you know, you can read criticisms of the Reformation from more of the landmark, uh, landmark Baptist side uh, of things that will say, well, you know, Luther started his own church and Calvin started his own church. And what has happened is in, 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 in that, a particular area or in that particular angle of approach, those who have written such things have adopted what is called the uh, the thesis of opposition or the theory of opposition, that the purpose of the Reformation was to kind of start new, uh, to make a completely clean break and to begin a bunch of, a bunch of churches that... Um, that kind of each of them adopted aspects of Rome and, and all of that. They, they kept some of Roman Catholicism and, and got rid of other parts, but nevertheless, they ended up with their own churches. And so the, you kind of have this picture of the Reformation that the Reformation was, uh, was driven toward, you know, creating something altogether new. And, the problem with that is that it assumes the, the the theory of opposition, which is to say that, you know, the Reformation, that the church had been lost. Uh, it's to it's to at least adopt the theory of opposition in terms of, of what 
is believed the reformers thought or the reformed think, which would be to say, you know, if, if you're, if you're writing from that perspective, if you're more of a landmark persuasion and you're, and you're writing against the reformation, um, it, it would be to make the assumption that the reformers were assuming that the church had been lost and that something altogether new had to be established. Um, again, that's the theory of opposition. And, and one of the things that, that Dr. Barrett shows is that the theory of opposition is, is incorrect. It's an oversimplification of the situation. But he likewise shows that the, that the liberal uh, kind of understanding of the Reformation, which is that the, that the Reformation occurred as a kind of this humanist nominalist desire to get away from any sort of doctrinal orthodox accountability uh, to, to, to embark upon a project of revisionism. Uh, so he go he goes toe to toe with that with that theory as well, which would be like the liberal the theologically liberal theory, and, and what that does for theological liberals is it allows them to to say, well, look, the reformers embarked upon this this project of of revisionism, and so too should we con continue to do the same thing, and eventually you have no faith at all. Well, that obviously wasn't the upon a a, a deep analysis that was not the the purpose of the reformers. Did they break from a uh, a, a tyrannical institution, absolutely, was their purpose to destroy orthodoxy or to revise it in any way? Absol absolutely not. It was a it was a project in renewal, which is which is why uh, this book is helpful. Now, the subtitle of the book is "Retrieving the One Holy Catholic and Apostolic Church." Now, you have to qualify every time you say the word Catholic. You have to qualify because the word Catholic is a bad word in a lot of circles. Why is it a bad word? Well, because it's always associated with Roman Catholicism. But one of the things that's nice about Dr. Barrett's book here is that it says, hey, Roman Catholicism does not have a corner on the market. They do not get to trademark the term Catholic. And in fact, what is being shown in the first chapter and what is interacted with in the first chapter of this book is the fact that you know, Roman Catholicism was the one that turned away from the true Catholic Church. It wasn't the true Catholic Church departing from Roman Catholicism. Or or it wasn't the Reformers departing from the true Catholic Church. It was Roman Catholicism departing from the true Catholic Church. Um, and so that's that's nice. So one of the things that obviously he has to do is 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 clarify as to the word Catholic and and he does that and one 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 helpful thing that that he that he speaks on in the first chapter is for the reformers and for the post reformed the word catholic had reference to the the faith and the doctrines of the faith rather than to visual institutional establishments or or particular ways in which individuals or churches participated in the sacraments so when it comes to Roman Catholicism, it's obviously a very uh, visually led ecclesiology, which is to say that you know if it's if it's not if there if you're not participating in this visual element, then you're not Catholic. One of the things Baptists have always been very clear on is their understanding of the universal or Catholic Church. So, for example, in the Second London Confession, chapter twenty-six. It says that the universal or Catholic Church, and I'll just actually bring it up here so that I don't butcher it. 
Um, it says that the uh, Catholic or universal church, which, with respect to the internal work of the Spirit and truth of grace, may be called invisible, consists of the whole number of the elect that have been, are, or shall be gathered into one under Christ, the head thereof, and is the spouse, the body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. And the point there is that, well, yeah, the, the, the church... The sum and substance of the church, or what makes the church the church, is a transcendental concept. That is to say that it, it can't be reduced down to, to time or place, and so it's one that transcends all of that, uh, is not subject to the, the whims of men, the sins of men, the laws of men, uh, the political movements of men, uh, and, and continues to persist no matter what. So you have this idea of the universal church. But what they do, the Baptists in particular, and Matthew Barrett does this in his book as well, is they say that this universal church may be called invisible. And they never seem to indicate that this universal church is a visible institution that is defined by the ways in which churches engage the sacraments, which is what Roman Catholicism does. So um, I think that's a very helpful clarification. And of course, he distinguishes the universal church, which is this transcendental concept from the particular inst instantiation of it, which is the uh, the local church. And um, uh, so I think that's, I think that's very helpful because he he clarifies the word Catholic in the way that it should be understood. Um, look, I am, I am all about making proper distinctions and distinguishing truth from error, but I am not all about letting true words, good words, uh, be captured by those who have misrepresented their original meaning or their historical meaning. And so I think when we, whenever we shy away from the term Catholic, uh, we're actually we're allowing Roman Catholicism to have the victory. Uh, we're allowing we're, we're saying you know what Roman Catholicism you're right about that word and therefore it's yours and we're not going to use it. No, we take it and we say no. This has a rich pedigree in our own tradition. Uh, it 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 represents it symbolizes a deep biblical truth that's articulated in Ephesians four and elsewhere. Why are we going to give that word up to those who have corrupted the terminology? And so what, what Barrett's indicating in the very first chapter, again, I can't do a full book review, but in the very first chapter, what's, what, he's, what, 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 what he's indicating is Roman Catholicism was not the true Catholic Church. Uh, and it wasn't the case that the Reformers departed from the Catholic Church. It was the case that Roman Catholicism departed from the Catholic Church. And that was just... That happened before the Reformation, but it was just, it reached a fever pitch at the Reformation. And of course, uh, the Reformation is but the fruits of that departure, really. Um, so again, I haven't read enough of the book to to give a, a, a review. I, I just wanted to give a, a synopsis, and I think it's a very important book, no matter how the rest of it cashes out. I think the project itself is important, and to see that someone has undertaken it is 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 incredibly encouraging. And so I would say, you know, get the book, begin reading the book. Uh, it comes out, let me see, actually, when does it come out? I had it pulled up here on Zondervan's site. Um, it comes out, it'll ship in June. 
Uh, it's expected to ship on or around June 14th, 2023. So uh, definitely pre-orders are open. Go and check it out. Now, I will say this. Most books are too long. This is about 1,000 pages long. Okay, so is it too long? Um, I can't answer that question because, again, I haven't read the whole thing. But I will say, if if it carries the substance throughout the remainder of the book that it has in the first chapter and a half, then it's not too long. All right. Um, if it gets airy uh, about midway through, sorry, Matt, <laughs> it might be too long. But I don't know if that's what it does. Um, if 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 it if it if it carries the same weight as it does in the first chapter and a half, the first two chapters. Um, then we're looking at a very substantive and long book, but necessarily so. So with that, guys, that's all I've got. I just really wanted to look at the Reformation as renewal. I think it's a, a refreshing take on the history of the Reformation. It's It kind of gets away from this tropish, you know, like the Reformation was the, the reestablishment of a church that had died since the time of Augustine or something like that, which seems to kind of... That seems that's what it sounds. That's what a lot of church history sounds like when you when you when you you know listen to church history about the Reformation. Oh, you know the church was lost from Augustine onward, and then you have the Dark Ages, and obviously the age those ages were dark, and so you know truth was under a light. Then post tenebrous locks, you know after darkness light, you have the establishment of this church that hasn't existed in ages. And this project here, the Reformation as Renewal, is 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 just saying that no, actually, the Roman Catholic Church was a perversion of the truth that had always been there, and so the Reformation was a project uh, just in, you know, renewing the truth that had always been there. It's not the reestablishment of a church. Uh, it's not it's not saying you know Luther created a new church or Calvin created a new church. Those. Uh, those particular traditions uh, take the names uh, of those of those men, uh, which I don't think is 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 a problem. The reason that it takes the names of those men is just to distinguish their position from other historical positions. It's not to say that you know Lutherans aren't saying that we're the Church of Luther. <laughs> I grew up Lutheran, so I would know. Um, and you know Calvinists aren't saying that you know we're the Church of Calvin. Uh, Presbyterians aren't say aren't saying we're the Church of Knox, you know. So, um, those names are just used in service of distinguishing historical positions from other historical positions, and uh, and so I, th I think it's I think it's a helpful project, very worthy project. Uh, you don't have to agree with all of it. Um, you can disagree with it, and I think find a lot of of benefit. I'll probably be talking about it more uh, as I read through it. Uh, you know, it'll it'll give me a lot of good ideas, I think, of things to cover here on on the channel. But um, for now, go and pre-order. Look forward to it. I look forward to reading through the rest of it and uh, and providing more thoughts as I go. Um, so hopefully that's helpful. You've got a new book to add to your bookshelf and to hopefully read. I know many of you probably have 30 books on your reading list this year, so, uh, you know. Uh, but I would say that this one's worth moving toward the top when you get it in June. God bless. Have a wonderful rest of your day.